Pod, pod. Hello and welcome to Pod Pod, the podcast all about podcasting for all you podcasters. I'm Rihanna Dillon and I am joined this week by Reem Makari, Pod Pod journalist and researcher, and Adam Shepherd, editor of Pod Pod. Hello to you both. Thank you so much for coming. Hello. Hi. Hi. It's so nice to see you. Reem, you've been away. It's lovely to have you back. Where have you been? I've been in Abu Dhabi for the past three weeks, and um, now I'm back in grey, cold London. <laughs> Which is a bit of a shock. Yeah, but it's nice to be back on Pop Pod. Always lovely to have you. Adam, how are you? What have you been up to? Yeah, I'm well. I have been going over the entries for this year's Pod Pod Faces to Watch scheme, which is the first year we've launched it, which is essentially our effort to celebrate the rising stars within the podcasting industry. Uh, so we will be announcing the winners of that uh, ahead of the podcast show in a couple of months. But yeah, keep your eyes peeled for more details on that. That should be very exciting. That is very exciting. Cool. So today we are joined by Diana De Costa, who works for Patreon. Uh, she supports Patreon's clients as they build their brands and their relationships with followers. And I just think this is a this is a really cool get because we talk a lot on the podcast about monetizing. Of course, some podcasters do their job because they love it but others also want to know how to make a career out of it or at least a little bit of money you know recently we talked to Cinemile who use their Patreon just pretty much to cover their costs and then they give any extra money to charity which I thought was a really lovely way of looking at it. So one of the things I like about Patreon is that it's a really nice way for podcasters who maybe aren't making a kind of sustainable revenue stream from advertising and partnerships. It allows them to cover their costs and make podcasting kind of financially viable through a kind of smaller, more limited audience, but one that's quite highly engaged, which I quite like. And sustainability in podcasting in terms of financial sustainability is something that has been in the news this week and last week because Spreaker has just launched a free tier for its hosting service which is a really interesting development there have been sort of free hosting options for podcasters that don't want to shell out for a paid podcast hosting plan previously but this is a kind of fairly major player in the hosting space and there don't seem to be any kind of obvious strings attached to their free offering which you know hopefully should make it a lot more accessible for starter podcasters to get into it. Reem, do you think that's going to be actually accessible? Do you think people are going to take advantage of this? It's not such a well-known household name as Patreon. I think, yeah. I mean, I think any kind of website or platform that's going to offer something free to kind of help out more independent creators is something that people are going to be looking into when they're first starting or when they're first starting to take podcasting seriously. I think it's great that people have different options because Patreon is a really, really good subscription service, but it might not be the best for everyone. So it's nice that they can have other things to look at. And, you know, the best way to make money is to have like, like 500 different revenue streams <laughs> and, then, and then you'll start to see income even if you'll burn out completely but it's fine <laughs> I do think we need to do like a whole episode on 
podcast burnout. I do think that's mm. a really yes. important thing to cover. Maybe we'll do that at some point in we'll the future. It'll just be the three of us sleeping on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this week we have nothing to talk about. <laughs> Hopefully that will never happen. There'll always be something for us to focus on in podcasting. <laughs> so as I said, Diona da Costa is our guest this week. So let's get into our interview. It's me and Adam, and we were talking about how you build a podcast subscription package. <laughs> Diana da Costa, welcome to Pod Pod. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hi, welcome. This, I believe, despite working in podcasts, is your first ever podcast recording on mic. It is. It very much is. I'm so excited. I am happy to be on Pod Pod for my first one. I think this will be <laughs> a really fun time. I hope so. So you're from Patreon, which we've talked about so much actually over the course of Pod Pods still fairly new history, but it does come up time and again. So this is just brilliant to be able to talk to somebody actually from Patreon. Yes, I'm on the creator partnerships team at Patreon. So basically, we work directly with creators to tailor their experience of launching on the platform, making sure that they're set up for success with benefit ideas, structuring, pricing, marketing strategies, all of that good stuff. We really act as kind of the human arm within the Patreon model to make sure that creators have someone to talk to and make sure that there's a point person for their questions. So that's really interesting. So how do you sort of delineate that? If you're coming in as a new podcast, you know, they want to work with you and they have no idea where to start. Do you sort of research them first? Do you have a meeting with them first? How does it all work? Yes, we have a meeting with them. It kind of goes both ways. So some creators reach out to work with us. On the opposite end, we reach out to work with some creators on that end as well. So basically, we'll have an initial meeting just to chat through getting to know each other, what each other's goals are. I like to really dive into what is that end goal for each podcaster? Are they looking to build a greater sense of community? Are they looking to have a home for different types of content that they really weren't sure would fit on another platform? We really dive into those details first before figuring out what structuring will look like and seeing if membership is the right fit for them. How big an audience does somebody have to have before you might reach out to them in the first instance? Yeah, it really depends on the vertical, obviously, specifically for podcasts. Um, I have worked with a range of creators ranging from emerging, maybe it's a brand new IP in terms of a podcast, or they've been around for quite some time. I would say a lot of podcasters do reach out when they're first starting because they're familiar with Patreon. Mm -hmm. um, but timing is key when it comes to membership. We really want to make sure that this is the best fit for them. The worst advice I could ever give to creators is, yeah, let's do it right now and you're not ready to go and you really have no idea what you're doing. So that's exactly where we come in to really guide them in the right direction, answer their questions and make sure that they're introducing a subscription-based model when the timing is right for them. So speaking of which then, for podcasters who haven't offered subscriptions before, how should they approach building their first package? Yeah, I would really lean into kind of two sides of this. So the community that they're building and the exclusive content that they'd like to offer. Obviously, with subscriptions, bonus content is really the key to success. But at the end of the day, if you don't have that community, you're really not going to have anyone to listen to that bonus content. So I always say building up your community on your other platforms, really having that foundation is the best start 
to thinking about a subscription-based model. Then you want to really dive into, okay, are we going to leave our mics on for 30 extra minutes from the podcast? Are fans asking for us to cover a specific topic that really doesn't fit into the flow of our day-to-day podcast? And how can we really introduce a new area for fans to really communicate with us in a meaningful way. So those are all really great pillars that you really want to consider when thinking about membership and then putting those together in a structuring that makes sense. You don't want to bite off more than you can chew. It's much easier to add than it is to take away. So starting with a smaller foundation and building upon that is definitely key with membership. If you're kind of a first time podcaster and you want to do bonus episodes, would you recommend doing kind of more of the same, but just extra that people pay extra for? Or do you recommend doing something different that they wouldn't be able to get on the normal feed? I think for a first time podcaster, sticking to what you know is definitely going to be a great foundation for you. As you evolve as a podcast and as you create that more intimate relationship with your fans, you're able to experiment a little bit more with what they'd like to see. I think it's different if you have your audience members constantly in your DMs saying, hey, I want to hear you talk about this and it just doesn't make sense. Then creating something new definitely fits in. Um, But starting with what you know and what your bread and butter is, is definitely the best approach when you're first getting started. One of the points that other people we've spoken to have raised in terms of subscriptions and bonus content in particular is the risk of sort of over-promising and kind of accidentally making a rod for your own back in terms of how much content you're putting out there. Beyond kind of fully-fledged bonus episodes, if you like, what are some very low-intensity added content that podcasters can offer. For example, uh, David Law, who is the co-host of the Tennis Podcast a couple of weeks ago, was telling us about pet sponsorships that they do, where they'll have somebody's pet for a certain fee as the mascot for that episode. I love that. I love that so much. Um, Yes, there's definitely a lot of things that you can offer outside of bonus episodes. Leaning into that community piece, maybe you're creating a server, a chat community on Discord to really communicate with your fans on a regular cadence. Um, Maybe it's a monthly or weekly live stream for you to actually be engaging in real time with your fans and answering their questions. Something that I always recommend is voting power as well. That's a feature that we have on Patreon to poll your audience what is it that they want to see? Um, What is it that has brought them here and really had them engaging with you on a regular basis? So all of those things where you're really getting to interact and make it a really exclusive community make the most sense. But never short of ideas. I think that you really want to create something that's tailored to you and your specific audience. It's definitely not a one size fits all. No two creators are the same. So no two memberships should ever be the same as well. Where do you stand on the idea of sort of like physical add-ons? Because my husband promised to send a sticker to every initial Patreon subscriber. And then of course, you know, that took up so much of his time and, you know, money sending out stamps and all of that kind of stuff. So it was quite a lot uh, to take on quite early on. So are there kind of things that you would kind of pitfalls that you would avoid for newer podcasters? 
Yeah, I definitely think merch is something that you can add on down the line. Mm. And that's also a way that you can make it an interactive experience. You may be brand new and not have a designed logo or any specific quotes from the podcast that make sense on merchandise. And that's where you can have that interactive experience with fans to help them shape the direction that you go in with membership. Maybe in six months time or a year's time, they want an exclusive hat or t-shirt and they'll really be able to get to help design what that will look like. And that is even more of a benefit of being a member um, on Patreon or, or elsewhere. It just makes the most sense for them to have that power while also having the creative freedom as the podcast host to invent something that makes the most sense for them. Mm. Do you notice sort of like seasonal trends when it comes to either bonus content or merchandise or whatever, you know, you might not Definitely. be buying hoodies in the height of summer or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I actually just recently had a podcast do a 12 days of giveaways around the holidays. Um, so that made a lot of sense for them that they were able to create prizes for each day of December and their fans had to do a trivia challenge or something of that nature in order to win that prize. And their grand prize for the final day um, was actually being able to attend their 10th anniversary live show in New York City and flying them out and meeting them and really having that sense of community. Um, So there's definitely flexibility seasonally. I think that in summer as well, as people are getting outside, having meetups in real life, always a great idea in a post-COVID world, being able to engage with your audience in real life, getting back to those roots. What, you mean like meeting up with them, meeting up with audience? Yes. Yes. And that's something that they can offer on Patreon. Exactly, exactly. So it could be exclusive just for their Patreon members. The good thing about Patreon is that you get the data of where your fans are located. So you can say, okay, I'm in New York. I know that I have 20 patrons here. Let me put a call to action out on Patreon and say, hey, I'm going to be here on this date from this time. I want to do a meetup just with my Patreon members. And they'll have that really intimate, exclusive in real life time. That's a lovely thing. Mike from the Evolution of Horror podcast was telling me that two of his friends have actually gotten married after meeting at one of his Patreon meetups. Wow. That's my husband, by the way. Mike from the Evolution of Horror. Yes. <laughs> that was really weird. You hearing you talk about it, were like, it was like some random. <laughs> yes, yeah, friend of the podcast, Mike yeah. Panzer. <laughs> yeah, very cute. And you're right, that sense of community really does come through. But I think with podcasts generally, right, what I would love to drill down into is people can now make a living off Patreon off their podcasts. So, um, you know, it's still maybe slightly more unusual, but it definitely happens. Do you have any sort of insight into why audiences are happy to pay for content like podcasts when they do get some free, when they do have television, when they do have free radio, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think there's really two sides of every audience. It's like a 50-50 split of if someone is a super fan versus a casual listener. The casual listener really is more enticed by that bonus content, by that sense of community, by the things that they're actually receiving for their dollar versus your super fans who are going to ride with you regardless of what you're doing. They're just happy to be a part of any community that has to do with the podcast. So it really is a 50-50 split. I think finding 
the balance between those two offerings of community and exclusive content is so key here because that audience is typically split. This might be a little bit of a tricky question to answer. It's sort of how long is a piece of string to a certain extent. But what, in your estimation, is the kind of average patron revenue that podcasters can expect in terms of a sort of broad ballpark figure? So I'm sure most people will be familiar with the sort of ridiculous top end of the spectrum where you've got podcasts like Chapo Trap House, which makes something crazy like 150 grand per month Mm -hmm. from its Patreon, which, yeah, is absolutely crazy. But what is the sort of more realistic side of what that actually looks like in practice? Yeah, there's definitely different buckets of creators. The average pledge on Patreon is typically around $12 per member. Um, obviously, knowing each membership is structured very differently, you're going to see a, a wide range of revenue streams. I would say that's why it's important to diversify your revenue streams over the course of time, whether it be through membership, through merchandise, through ad revenue, all of those pillars for a podcast are the key to success and seeing um, sustainability and longevity for the course of the podcast. Membership is just one aspect in terms of the revenue stream. You really don't want to discount any of those other streams that are coming in to make this a sustainable business for a podcaster. So you've got membership. Membership, ad revenue, merchandise, ticket sales, any of those things contributing to it. And is there like a a maximum number of tiers or a minimum number of tiers that they need to have? There's no minimum or maximum. I would say the sweet spot that I've seen personally is between one to three tiers. Um, Obviously, as I mentioned before, it's much easier to add than it is to take away. I have podcasters that have a single $5 tier that are just as successful as a podcaster that has three tiers at five, 10 and 25. So it really does depend on the audience. You really want to dive into the demographic and the age range. Obviously, if some podcaster has a large audience of fans who are 13 to 17, that pricing structure and that revenue is going to look very different than someone that has a lot of fans that are in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s. So you really want to make sure that you're tapping into your audience when you're setting that structuring for yourself through subscriptions. It's also worth bearing in mind that presumably the more tiers you add, the more bits of additional content you'll need to find to you know justify those tiers exactly you really want to have that balance at the end of the day it makes a lot more sense to have a stronger base of a tier and have a lot of value at one set price point than to spread yourself too thin because then you're not only having to think about who gets what it's also creating that extra content and it's a little bit more of a stressor when you have a lot more tiers to uh, actually manage your membership over the course of time I noticed on your website that you have or not always but sometimes you have like most popular tier Does that in itself kind of make people go, oh, well, if that's the most popular, I should go for that one then. Is that a a kind of good way of getting people in? Definitely. Highlighting the tier that you think is the most successful, the most popular feature really is based off of how many patrons are actually included in that tier versus the others. It definitely is a driver when it comes to new members signing up. That is what most people are there for. And that's what they're going to actually select when landing on someone's Patreon page. 
And for your own, you know, if somebody is looking to have a tier on Patreon themselves, you kind of have like a a founder's tier. And now there's light, pro, premium. So can you tell us about the idea of the founder's tier and then talk us through the others? Yeah. So our founders membership are really for our legacy creators that have been a part of Patreon since really our inception. Um, I would say uh, the highest percentage are actually on our pro plan at 8%. So that is the pricing plan that you're able to get access to doing tier structuring, get the data that you're getting email addresses, physical addresses, and all of that good stuff um, to be able to really project what your business will, will look like. What's included in the premium one? Is that sort of for like bigger companies? Yes. So the premium is actually something that you apply to be a part of. Um, It is a 12% platform fee, um, but you basically get access to a little bit more data and insights. You get a dedicated partner manager from our creator success team who will be able to go and dive into the data and analytics with you and help create growth strategies. Um, You're also able to unlock some of our premium features like team accounts. If you're a larger podcast and you have a producer and an editor and a manager who all need access to uploading content on Patreon, those are the types of features that are only available at our premium plan. Mm, Okay, that makes sense. That's something I actually wanted to touch on a little bit. Patreon, I think, is commonly seen as a a platform that's primarily geared towards individual creators and individual teams, if you like. Do you have a large amount of large existing companies on the platform as well? And can you share a bit more about how any of those are using Patreon? I would say that when we're looking at larger networks, for lack of a better word, launching multiple IP on Patreon, usually each podcast or show will have their own Patreon membership, um, but will work with the same larger subset of the company to actually get those executed. One example that I have of that is the human content team has a lot of podcasts. We just recently launched Knock Knock High with them on Patreon. Yes. And there's quite a few of their other creators that we will be working to launch on Patreon as well in the coming months. Um, But that's just a a key example of of someone who has a larger network and and will be doing multiple different Patreon accounts. Ah, Very nice. But the same point of contact for each one. Mm. Do you find that as Patreon grows, that you're getting sort of more and more competitors because they're seeing how successful you guys are doing? They want to follow suit? Yeah, I would say many companies are trying to really take a piece of the pie of the creator economy at this point in time. Personally, I think Patreon is the leading factor and the leading company in this in this industry. We really are one of the few companies that are creator first at our core. We're founded by a creator. At the end of the day, we're creating our product for creators. We're not a brand, as most companies would say. Like You have these bigger market companies who are really serving themselves at the end of the day. And every facet of our company is really built for each creator. Every product feature, every team member. You'll find a lot of people that work at Patreon are creators themselves. Um, so we really have our, our stamp on what the industry changes and market changes are happening on the day-to-day basis to be able to help serve creators at the end of the day. So from a platform perspective, we've talked a bit about bonus content already, but can you talk us through how Patreon supports subscriber-only bonus content on a technical level, particularly for podcasts? 
Yes. Um, so obviously, we have a lot of data and analytics on the back end to really help with growth. Something that I do for a lot of my creators um, is have regular growth check-ins with them to say, okay, most of your page traffic is coming from Instagram, or it's coming from directly from the podcast, or it's coming from people typing in the podcast name on Google. Where can we really shift the marketing strategy to target those people that are finding you through these platforms? Should we put all of our eggs in one basket on one platform to help see that conversion? Where are the areas that we can improve engagement on other platforms to help funnel them into the membership at the end of the day? So that's something that we really do internally on the creator partnerships team to really help creators grow um, over the course of time. Uh, it's different for every creator. I think that because Patreon isn't specifically a platform that's only for podcasters, we really serve a lot of verticals, whether it be video, um, visual art, all of those good things. We want to make sure that we're tailoring our advice and our guidance based off of which type of creator that we're working with. I think that that's something that's ever evolving as well as we're building out new features of the product. We're really taking into consideration what are those things that are going to help each creator be able to improve their business model as a whole? What are the insights that they're looking for to be able to engage with their audience a little bit closer? And how can we help that as we evolve as a company as well? And for anyone that's not familiar, if a podcaster is putting out subscriber-only bonus episodes, how do their subscribers actually access those? Because they don't show up in the regular podcast feed, right? So they'll have a private RSS link. So there's a few different ways. You could listen directly on the Patreon app. Um, you can go to our, our website, our patreon.com website, and sign into your account and engage with the content that way. For podcasters, you are able to enable a private RSS feed. So it will still show up in their typical podcast apps, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, etc. And it will show up as a separate feed within their app for that bonus content. So everything is in one place. Yeah, I would say that that's typically the flow of things. When I was kind of scrolling through various Patreon people, earlier content creators, uh, I noticed that they had like different ways of sort of like bringing in their audience and, you know, different ways of saying hello. Um, I think it's red handed, had a little video being like, hi, this is who we are. You know, it was, you know, great, really engaging. Um, others was just, you know, writing, some had pictures. Is there something that you would recommend adding to like a Patreon homepage to sort of maybe take it to the next level? you know if people are just almost like doom scrolling or whatever to like really make it stand out definitely i think there's a really big difference between a launch announcement and an intro video that's living on your patreon page that's evergreen your launch announcement which is what lives on social media platforms to help draw people in should be attention grabbing. It should really be something that as you're scrolling, doom scrolling for lack of the better <laughs> term through Instagram, through Twitter, you stop and you listen to it. Most people, what is the typical attention span now? Three seconds while scrolling in order to actually be engaged in content. Um, you really want to make sure within those first three seconds, you're grabbing them in. Maybe it's something in the caption that's grabbing them in. Um, I would say that that's different for every creator. How you're engaging with your audience on a regular day-to-day -day cadence, you don't want to reinvent the wheel when it comes to your launch announcement. And you really want to make sure that you're staying true to your voice versus on your Patreon page, when someone actually clicks that link and they land on your 
page, you'll have an intro video that's really diving into the experience that they're hoping to bring to their members. What are they actually going to be receiving? Yes, it's a live stream, but what type of live stream? Is it a get ready with me? Are you going to be able to ask me questions? Are you going to be able to come on screen with me? That's where you really are able to dive a little bit deeper into the details in your own voice. Most Fans are used to hearing your voice. They're used to seeing your face. They really want to have that intimate experience when landing on your Patreon page versus just reading the text of saying, okay, I'm going to get one bonus episode per month, or I'm going to get one live stream and a discount code off of tickets. They really want to make sure that they have that vibe of the experience that they're going to be receiving. And presumably you you wouldn't, you know, regulate content in a podcast, but you might on the Patreon page. How does that work? Yes. So you're definitely going to want to quantify what you're actually offering as to not foster creator burnout. You want to make sure that you're offering things that are manageable for your schedule. At the end of the day, you're still doing all of your other content. You're still having this full-time business and membership really is an added bonus onto that. So you really want to make sure that you're not biting off more than you can chew. You really are creating something that's sustainable for you as a creator. Um, I would say not creating a business that sacrifices your mental health is really, really key when thinking about membership. You want to make sure that you're supporting yourself, even though you're creating for your fans at the end of the day as well. And you kind of were talking about how you have a lot of creative people within Patreon and um, kind of content creators. I noticed that you had a Patreon live show recently last year. So can you tell us about that? That was in the US. Is that something that you might bring to other countries like the UK? Yeah, um, we actually did activate with a lot of creators of color last year by way of our pull-up accelerator program. Um, So that is a program that we developed, I believe, in 2020 that supports directly creators of color. We're backing them with some funding, and we're really elevating their message as creators as a whole. We just recently did a pull-up event last week um, with one of the podcasters that I worked with, the Know For Sure podcast. They actually launched last year and did their first live show last week. After being a year, it's their anniversary show. The podcast has only been around for a year. This was their first time being with their fans in real life. And we were able to help support that function with some exclusive merchandise that was just for their Patreon members and really making sure that they knew that we supported them as a company for their first live show. There are a lot of different programs within Patreon that we're helping to accelerate creators. Pull up being probably at the forefront here with creators of color. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to make sure that Everyone feels supported on Patreon, no matter what type of creator they are. Uh, Just getting started and having a new IP and being a new creator, it can be overwhelming. And Patreon is really here to make that a little bit less overwhelming and have a helping hand and be a guiding light while they navigate that new process. Mm -hmm. Are there plans to bring it out of the U.S.? Definitely, definitely. We have creators on Patreon that are global. Uh, Everyone Mm -hmm. is really excited to partner with creators over the course of time in different countries, in different cities, and really make sure that we're bringing this around the world. Looking at the revenue side of things, on the subject of conversion, what kind of size of audience does a podcaster need to have off Patreon before they can start a Patreon that generates a viable 
revenue stream, you know, enough to cover their costs and, you know, enough to make a living essentially on a sort of average level. Yeah, I think a few factors come into play here and it's download numbers and social media following. Download numbers are not the end-all be-all and social followers are not the end-all be-all when it comes to this. You really want to make sure that your audience is engaged because at the end of the day, that community is who is going to pay for membership. So if you have a really strong community, it may be a hundred people, but that will show you meaningful revenue versus you having a million followers who actually don't care about your content. They're not actually engaging in your content to be able to say, okay, I'm going to give you $5 per month to unlock bonus content when I'm not actually even engaging with your unpaywalled content. How can podcasters test the waters, if you like, before they jump into a, a fully fledged subscription plan? Are there any sort of benchmarks that they can look for? Definitely asking their fans if this is something that they would even like <laughs> is also a first step. Um, I think that a lot of creators will say, okay, well, I don't really know that my audience wants this and they never actually ask them. So that is a strategy that we've seen do really well for Patreon creators to say, okay, like I'm thinking about this. What do you think? There are specific product features that will be coming down the line within Patreon that will help creators really gauge interest um, on how many fans are actually interested in, in coming in and, and joining their membership. Can you tell us a bit more about that? I can't actually right now. Um, yeah, but stay tuned. It's all it's all coming very soon. <laughs> so in terms of growing the subscriber number and directing people through to Patreon from other platforms, should podcasters who offer subscriptions be approaching marketing those subscriptions in a different way to marketing the show itself as a kind of standalone entity? Yes, I think that launching membership is very different than launching just the general podcast. At the end of the day, you really do want to keep things in your own voice and, and make sure that it's staying true to who you are as a creator, as a podcaster. But membership is something that's new for a lot of audience members. They don't know what they don't know. And you need to educate them on that. You may, as a creator, really understand the value of membership and know how much work it actually takes to put into this bonus content and even the regular content. So educating your audience and saying, hey, I do this podcast for you weekly or biweekly. This takes a lot of work. I want to make sure that I'm putting forth content that you're excited about. What does that look like for you? What, what are you excited to see? Then working backwards and saying, okay, now I'm going to craft my launch messaging for membership to say, I'm giving you exactly what you asked for. You said you wanted bonus episodes. You said you wanted mailbag episodes. You said you wanted to ask me questions. Here it is, all in one place for you at a set price point. This way, fans are really able to say, okay, like I'm excited about joining this membership because it's everything that I've been looking for. It's everything that I've been asking for. When you're thinking about that marketing strategy, you really want to make sure that you're going forth and and targeting the fans that are, have been riding with you for a really long time. There's always room to capture new audience members, but I think really focusing on the people that have been there throughout the course of the podcast, that makes a lot more sense to capture those audience members. 
Is there any such thing as sort of like oversaturation of, you know, what you offer or what you promise or just like too much content that you might be putting out there that your subscribers actually don't want or can't kind of keep up with? Yeah, definitely. I think that there have been many instances where creators will say, if I'm going to ask my fans for money, then I'm going to need to put out a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of content. And that's not always necessarily the case. There have been creators that have definitely done that strategy and needed to scale back and scale down their membership to be maybe less tiers or less content. And that's something that they've worked through with their fans. What are the things that you actually enjoy consuming on Patreon or elsewhere? You really want to make sure that they're happy and you're happy. Creator burnout is real across the board, regardless of if it's behind the paywall or not. You really want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, even when doing content. I know we sort of touched upon this earlier, but is there sort of something that you've seen somebody offer that is like the most creative thing that is so unusual that you haven't really seen elsewhere? Yeah, I actually had a creator. uh, He's a food creator um, and he ended up getting snacks from all around the globe of places that he's traveled to. And he'll do an exclusive quarterly snack box for his very high premium tier um, that he has limited to a certain amount of people. So it was first come, first serve. If you signed up for that high price tier, you were the only ones to have access. And maybe he'll open it up to a few more people down the line. Um, But now they have snack boxes that are sent to them quarterly with snacks that they wouldn't be able to purchase in their regular stores. So that's definitely something that I found really exciting and cool. Um, Definitely something very different, but exciting at the same time. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think to go back to your earlier questions in terms of marketing, they see him consuming these crazy snacks on social media and they're like, wow, I wish that I can find that. And now by becoming a Patreon member, they're able to actually live the experience that um, they're consuming with the content. Great idea. So sort of on that then, uh, just before we wrap up, do you have a favorite Patreon that you're subscribed to? (laughs) Do I have a favorite Patreon account? Honestly, I work with so many Patreon creators that it's hard to choose just one. And I feel like a lot of them probably listen to this podcast, so I shouldn't (laughs) choose just one. (laughs) There are definitely some that I am excited to subscribe to. I would say my favorite launches that I've had over the course of the past year, I will state those. I have worked with the No For Sure podcast who I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Girls Next Level was a really exciting podcast that I worked with. Zane and Heath Unfiltered, a very exciting podcast that I worked with. And The Read, who just celebrated their 10th anniversary last week. Mm -hmm. And I was able to actually attend the show and congratulate them and really come full circle with the work that we've done together. So I would say that those are some of my favorite Patreon creators from the past year. But my number one spot is is wide (laughs) open. <laughs> there's definitely <Yeah>. room <laughs> are there any uk ones in there there are a few uk creators who i absolutely want to have on patreon okay um that aren't quite on yet so i would say my uk spot is definitely open and hopefully we'll be able to work together over the course of the next year to get some of those creators on platform but yeah we'll keep an eye 
Mm. Keep an eye out. There are definitely a few UK creators that I have my eye on. (laughs) (laughs) Diana, how is your experience of being on a podcast, your first podcast, unbelievably? It has been extremely fun. (laughs) You two are amazing. I can't wait to do it again. We should just do this every, every week. (laughs) <laughs> maybe i'm the new co-host of pod pod <laughs> oh diana jacosta thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you thank you so much for having me thank you so much to diana jacosta that was a really interesting chat reem what stood out for you from that that you weren't really aware of before one of the standout points that you made was uh, the fact that one of the tiered subscription offers that some some podcasters make is like meetups in person, um, yes. which I didn't think is something that you could offer on on Patreon. But that's really yeah. interesting that like they can actually go and interact with the fans and and get to introduce themselves. So I thought that was really fun. And there was also the snack box <laughs> of one Patreon <laughs> podcaster. Offering snack boxes, which I would love to receive, to be honest. It's, I think it's a great idea. It's such a great idea. I do love the idea of thinking outside the box, literally in that way, by feeding your listeners. No one is going to say no to that. Um, yes. Adam, <laughs> what about you? So I really enjoyed that. One of the things that kind of jumped out at me is the fact that she emphasized the uh, need to diversify your revenue streams and that you should be using subscriptions as well as kind of advertising and partnerships and merchandise and all these other individual revenue channels together, which is kind of quite quite surprising from a company that is kind of largely based around membership options. I thought that was quite quite refreshing, really. And I know we couldn't quite get Diana to talk about the podcast that she subscribed to, but what about you guys? What are you paid up to? I am subscribed to one podcast that I have mentioned on this podcast before, which is called mm. Seek Treatments. I've been subscribed to them since a few months ago. They just offer like bonus episodes, but really it's just to kind of support them mm-hmm. and like pay when I can. Um, and it doesn't have to be always consistent, but just when I have a bit of extra money, I'm like, okay, we'll listen to a few bonus episodes from them yeah. this month and they can get an extra, what, like three, four pounds. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. That's the reason we do it, right? What about you, Adam? Uh, So I'm actually not subscribed to any podcasts as of yet. Because there's just, there's too many, there's too many to choose from. Yeah, to be fair, I've only just signed up to the No Such Thing as a Fish Club um, because it is one of my favourites and it's only like 29 quid a a year. And I think, again, because I love them so much, I want to support them more than anything else. It's not so much about the content. But I hope you've learned a lot about Patreon and about subscriber packages. I feel like hopefully there are some really good kind of paint by numbers of what you can do to earn a bit of money with your podcast. So that is it for today's podcast, all about subscriptions and creative partnerships and how to engage with your audience and snack boxes. Thank you so much to Diana DaCosta for coming on to talk all about Patreon. Thank you to Ree Makari and Adam Shepard for joining me on today's recording. You can find out so much more on podpod.com. Reem has actually written an article which speaks to Acast and talks about Apple podcast subscriptions as well. You can find that on our website. Do sign up to all of our daily email bulletins and follow us on social at podpodofficial. And I really would love to hear what you guys think and what you you want us to cover and if there's anything that you think we're missing because we're doing this for you guys rate us and subscribe if you would like to you would like to this is my hypnotism bit you would like to 
The podcast is produced by Emma Corsham for Haymarket Business Media, and I'm your host, Rihanna Dillon. Thanks so much. I'll see you next week. Uh, uh, hot, hot, uh.